it's always fun to give to give the schmooze. Uh, I, I view it as a sort of challenge of a different sort. There are all sorts of challenges we have in life, but it's an opportunity to reference, as we said, basketball as often as possible. To get Calvin and Hobbes in there, to get uh, Dickens in there. So we're gonna. My parents would be so proud of me. You know, I don't know how we'll get David, David Copperfield, but that'll be uh, that'll be the next schmooze. Um, David Copperfield was one of Dickens' famous works. Yeah, we have to explain Diffendor. We're starting to read about uh, Sefer Shmos, the story of the Jewish people, the emergence of the Jewish people. And I don't think we need to go to the story so much. Spoiler alert, they're enslaved, they get freed, they have a Kabbalah Satara. Okay, we spoil the story. But I want to just think, think about the whole Exodus experience on a more of a macro level and look at this in, in two different stages. Hopefully this will make a little bit of sense. We'll have some fun along the way. We'll learn some basketball and maybe emerge with some, some ideas about, how, about ourselves as well. So the first question is just, how do we define Gullus and how do we define Gula? If Gula is when we emerge from Gullus, let's work with that assumption. So how do we define those two? seems to be the prototype of Gullus is Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, that's what the Psukim seem to indicate. So what is Gullus, what is Gula on a, on a macro level? Second question, just to get our appetites wet, is what is the significance of the Yitzhiz Mitzrayim experience that we find many, many mitzvahs which are made to reference it? Just in contrast, how many mitzvahs do we have that are meant to parallel creation? Shabbos? Well, Shabbos also, oddly, and we'll have to come back to this one, is Zechel Yitzis Mitzrayim. Why do we mention in Kiddush that Shabbos is a commemoration of Yitzis Mitzrayim, which happens later in history? And come back, what is what is the obsession with Yitzis Mitzrayim of, of all things? We're not denying the importance of it. We're not denying the miracles which occurred. We're, we're not denying the outcome. But why are there so many mitzvahs that, to commemorate that and not creation, just as an example? Third question. There's a Ramah based on uh, this week's parasha. We know that Moshe Benu is sent away from his family, ends up in the Egyptian palace, and is unwilling to nurse as a baby from the Egyptian nursemaid. She's, he's unwilling. So what to do? Miriam sets up a, a good shidduch with his mother to, to arrange it. Why? So I'll say, because Moshe Rabbeinu would one day be the person to speak directly with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, and therefore be inappropriate to nurse from a woman whose milk was created by her eating tray food. You know, the milk is perfectly kosher. So says the Ramah, passing for today. If you have a situation where the mother is unable to nurse the baby, so you hire a wet nurse, you hire a woman who's, who's able to nurse the baby. And if it's a non-Jewish woman, you should insist as, as much as possible that she eats kosher food throughout, that, 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 throughout the period while she's nursing the baby. Why? Because we believe that maybe one day this child will also speak with, with the Kosh Baruch Hu, just like Moshe Rabbeinu did. Beautiful. How, how do you pass him like that? Seems a pretty high expectation. And fourth, just to put on a radar, I don't know if anyone, got a, anyone or everyone got a chance to look, um, I put on the, um, on the poster uh, a strip from Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin and Hobbes, not the philosophers. Calvin and Hobbes, the 
the uh, cartoon, Bill Watterson. Okay. If you know one or the other, you're in, you're, you're good. Um, where Calvin basically says, you know, I'm very, I, I'm aiming for C's. I'm aiming for C's on the grades. Low, low expectations. Low expectations. So is Calvin right? Listen, that's not the philosophical Calvin question. Just, is Calvin, is Calvin right? Should we go with low expectations? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do better. And if not, well, I didn't, I didn't fail. I didn't fail in terms of my expectations. So, many point out that Mitzrayim, as the prototype of Golos, is important because Mitzrayim is, is, is rooted in the world of, of Mitzar, of something which, which um, constricts. And that's fundamentally how they describe Golos. Golos is something which constricts us. We're unable to expand, we're unable to grow, as opposed to Geula is expansion. Geula is, is growth forward. Which is why on Shabbos, perhaps we, we could tie Mitzrayim to Shabbos, Shabbos, the Gemara tells us, is Nachla Bli Mitzrayim. No border, it's borderless. Shabbos, we're in growth mode all the time. So, this is great. We're growing. We have endless potential. This is what we believe in. That's what Geula is. We, we, we want to tie ourselves to Yitzhiz Mitzrayim always because Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is the prototype of Gulls of being constricted. We want to break out of that. We always want to tie to that. We have endless potential. Beautiful. Shmooz could end right here. Lunch will end early. I'm sure lunch will start early. I'm sure we'll all be happy. We have a few more minutes. So we'll go a little bit forward. The problem. There's a Rambam. Rambam writes in Hilos Tshuva Al Yavu Rak Shavasko Dover Zeh Don't think Don't think it's the following Shakosh Baruch Hu Gozer Al Adam Mitchilas Briyos Liyos Tzadik Rasha. Don't think that Hashem has decreed upon each upon us that we'll be a Tzadik Rasha. Or any Dover Ken It's not true El Kol Adam V'Adam Rari Liyos Tzadik K'Mosh Rabbeinu A Rasha Kiravam we have the ability to be like Moshe, we have the ability to be like Yeruvah. Beautiful. Furthers our point, Ramam tells us this. The only problem is, isn't that in violation of a Pasuk? I, I thought no one can, can, can compare to Moshe Rabbeinu. Ramam tells me, don't, don't believe the Pasuk, you can be Moshe Rabbeinu. How, how do you put that together? We have, on the one hand, we, we have endless potential, that's what Geul is, we can expand Shabbos, Nachlab, Limitzarim. On the other hand, well, we're limited. It can't be a Moshe Rabbeinu. It's a Pasuk. So, I didn't have a chance to find it inside, just say it outside. Rav Chaim Velazhner, in his um, commentary on Pekiyavos, the Rav Chaim, quotes a Medrash. The Medrash notes that there are a number of times in Tanakh where you have two names back-to-back. For example, at the end of the Akedah, Avram is about to Shech Yitzchak, and then call comes out, Avram, Avram. Don't do it. It's in this week's parasha. Moshe Rabbeinu's his first encounter with Kodesh Baruch Hu. He's Moshe, Moshe. Says the Medrash, if you notice, if you open up a Chumash to any of these places, there's always a psik. There's always a line, a solid line, that interrupts the two names. Avram, line, Avram. With one exception. Moshe, Moshe. Says the Medrash, why? As, as explained by Rechaim Velashna. Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu is an image of each one of us in Shemaim. And Kodesh Baruch Hu is an image of each one of us down here. And for every person, there's a line between them. They're not equal. There's a, there's a break in between them. Even for Avram. 
Avram Avinu, such a great personality. There's an image of what Baruch had for him, and there's an image of what Avram achieved down here. And it's not the same. The exception is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the person who actualizes his potential. There's no psik, there's no line, nothing that is, interrupts the image of Moshe Rabbeinu in Shemayim to the image of Moshe as we, as, we, as we would encounter him here. Perhaps based on this idea of Rav Chaim Velazhner, we could suggest that when the Raman tells us that we could be Moshe Rabbeinu, what does it mean? We could be Moshe Rabbeinu, we could be the Makabal Torah, we could be at the, get that last name Rabbeinu, okay, some of us maybe, but more likely, it means we could achieve our fullest potential. Whatever that is. Each person has a different potential, but we could all achieve our fullest potential. That's what it means to be a, to be a Moshe Rabbeinu. And so, is Calvin right? Not fully. We believe in limitless potential for each person in, in, in where they are. Each person has tremendous, tremendous potential, but, but it's a little bit different for every person. Mostly, our, our limits of potential are based on outside factors. If it's just for ourselves, so if we just, we just focus on ourselves, what our capabilities are, what our kelim are, what our kochos are, nachlov limitsarim, tap into our shabbos. So part of this balance is trying to figure out, how do I know? How do I know I'm being realistic in my expectations of myself or unrealistic? What's a realistic expectation for myself? I came to yeshiva. I see other I see other guys in yeshiva. They're going like this. So is that realistic for me to assume I should be like them also? Well, they're breathing Jewish male. I'm breathing breathing Jewish male. They're a shava, so it must be that we're on the same page over here, or maybe not. What what exactly informs us in terms of realistic expectations? It's a fantastic piece that I once saw from uh, Rav Tzadok HaKoyim Lublin. Tzadok was a uh, chassidish rebbe who had what I'd like to call crossover appeal. He, uh, he was uh, born as a Litvish uh, kid. He, he grew up, he, you know, we have Sfarim of Rav Tzadok, not only in Chassidus, we have Sfarim of Rav Tzadok in Rambam and Tshuvas. There's a lot of crossover appeal. And he says, he wrote a sefer called Tzidka Tzadik. It's basically a journal. He's just journaling his thoughts about Avodah Hashem. So there are chunks that are unified. You have you know, five, six pieces about, about, uh, about Yerush Hashem, five, six pieces about Avas Hashem, Tefillah, Shabbos. Just, as he was thinking about it, I guess. So he says that, you know what the biggest obstacle is to creating a real relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu? It's when you live in a fantasy world. When you're delusional. I remember reading once from Rabbi Dr. Tversky a great illustration of someone being delusional. He said someone woke up one day and they, they decided, it was, it was in their mind, they were dead. They were walking about, but they were dead. <coughs> no one convinced, could convince them anyway. So they went to a psychiatrist. So the psychiatrist's mode of attack was, he engaged him in a conversation, and he said, do dead people bleed? So I looked at him and said, what do you think, I'm crazy? Dead people don't bleed. So he said, are you sure about it? He said, 100%. You, you, want, you want to back out of it? 150%. I, I'm all in on this. And they, then they did Chazara. We like Chazara. Two times, four times, 100 times, 101 times. 
dead people don't bleed, dead people don't bleed, dead people don't bleed. Psychiatrist takes out a pin, pricks the, pricks the guy's finger, and he sees blood. He says, now what do you say? He says, it must be wrong. Dead people do bleed. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, it's delusional. No ma- he's fixated on this, this approach, and there's nothing else that can change him, ever, no matter what. Somewhat tangentially, and just in an observation, I think sometimes this is a challenge we have when we're learning Gemara. We get fixated on one thing, and we can't see the other side. Part of learning Gemara is not just figuring out what is the answer, but it's the process. And we spend time, days, weeks, intim tzilomars, on having minas. I'm going to spend time thinking about what is incorrect, and I'm going to build it up so much in my mind, at the end of whatever that session is of learning, I think to myself, how is this ever going to be rejected? <laughs> and then the Gemara says it's wrong. No, no, the, the, Gemara, the Gemara missed something over here. I, I, I got it right. Sometimes we just get so, get so fixated on something. I always try and have a basketball reference. Um, one that comes to mind is delusional. Perhaps we could argue, but perhaps the the greatest miscalculation of personnel in sports history occurred almost 40 years ago. 1984 NBA draft. Just let's let's back on. Someone doesn't know what we're talking about already. <laughs> so. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. Every year, the NBA has a draft where the teams can choose who is going to join the league, join join their teams, pick one by one. Obviously, the, the team, the, the person who is the highest prospect, gets picked first, second, third, etc. That's the way it works. Third pick, the NBA NBA draft 1984 was Michael Jordan. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah. 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 Michael Jordan. Now. We could also have the debate, is Michael Jordan the greatest player of all time? That's a separate debate, although I don't think it's such a debate. Michael Jordan's picked third. That means by definition, if he's picked third, there were two people picked before him. First pick overall, Kim Olajuwon. Arguably one of the greatest centers of all time, Hall of Famer, top 50, top whatever it is. Okay, so we can have that debate. Second pick, Sam Bowie. Anyone familiar with Sam Bowie? Yeah, exactly. Sam Bowie was perhaps the biggest bust in sports history. You picked him before Michael Jordan. So, who, who picked him? Portland Trailblazers. Now, why? 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 How, how do you do that? So they, they said, well, we had a Svara. The Svara. That the previous year, they had picked a, a future Hall of Famer, Clyde Drexler. And they said, well, they play similar types of positions. So, you can't have two together. You, know, you can't have two Malachim, you can't have two Sun and Moon, so you can't have two together. So, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on Michael Jordan. Kasha, Michael Jordan teamed up with someone else, a future Hall of Famer, Scotty Pippen, who they played similar positions, seemed to work out well together. Okay, fine. <laughs> but for years, for decades, the Portland Trailblazers refused to admit that it was a terrible choice. They said, listen, Michael Jordan was a better player at the end of the day, but we made the right decision then. They're delusional. It's delusional to think that you, you can't compare. It's night and day. But they refused to back down. There's no backing off that Avamina. Stick to our guns till the end. Ritzavik points out that Pyro creates a, a delusional society. He pretends to not know anything about Yosef. Everyone knew about Yosef. 
The history books were filled with Yosef. The history books were filled with how Yosef saved the, 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 the Egyptian people. And all of a sudden, let's pretend it doesn't exist. It's a delusion. It's a fantasy world. And says with Tzadok, when Klal Yisrael came down, Pasuk says, Ve'elish Mos B'nei Yisrael Abayim Mitzrayim. They came down. Uh, um, I'll quote you the exact Pasuk. Eis Yaakov, Yishu Be'esabal. There's a whole debate amongst the Mepharshim who exactly were the 70 people who came down. According to, I think, almost all Mepharshim, Yaakov is not included in that list. I think there's an Ibn Ezra, an Asik's Parsh, who thinks that he is included. But let's go with Chazal, Pshat, Yochavit. So Yaakov is not included in this list. So the question is, why is Yaakov there? They came down with Yaakov. We're, not, we're counting the people who came down, excluding Yaakov. Question number one. Question number two. Why does it say Ace Yaakov and not Imi Yaakov? So Rav Hirsch says that Ace... Don't ask me for the, the Hebrew part of this. That's a Rabbi Fisher question. But the ace is, is a more connected word. It's, it's a deeper connection than just im, with, beside. So it says with Sadok, they didn't, the Pasuk is not emphasizing to us that they came with the personality, the, the person called Yaakov. They came with the Mida of Yaakov. They came with the, the character trait of Yaakov that, that carried with them. Yaakov's defining character trait is MS. They came with the truth. They came with the anti-delusional reality. They're coming to a society which is built on falsehoods, built on delusions, and they're in touch with reality. However, he says, eventually, they falter in that. Hence, we have a, 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 a situation where the Egyptians overpower them. Why? Because the delusion takes over. It's a whole society uh, hallucinating. But he said, so what, what happens? What is Yitzis Mitzrayim? What is Geula? When you claim back reality. When you are no longer delusional. When you see things clearly. And he says, where do we see that? How does that culminate? Yitzis Mitzrayim culminates in a Kabbalah's Torah I've seen I experience. Torah says, says what Tzadok means reality. When I learn Torah, when I'm involved in Torah, I'm involved in reality. I'm pushing away the delusions that exist. And he says that's why the opening pasuk of the Seris Dibros has a funny type of pasuk. Anochi Hashem Elokech Hashem Tzisicha Meretzrayim. I am Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim. So he says, why does Hashem need to need to prove himself? And why is his resume that I took you out of Mitzrayim? Not that I created the world, or I created you. I took you out of Mitzrayim. So he says, while creating the world is obviously a very significant accomplishment on Hashem's, on Hashem's resume, but the basis of the Kabbalah Satara is reality. I got you I got you out of the delusional state into a state of being ready to accept reality. That's what Torah is. Torah is what makes us balanced people. I once saw a, a beautiful chat, I forget who it's from, where the word Anoch, Anoch, we translate that as me, I. But the, there is a passage, I believe, in Amos, which translates, which uses the word Anach, Aleph Nunchav, to mean a, 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 a measure, a leveler. When you're building a wall, you want to level something off. And they, and, and they, and they suggested, what does Anoch, Anochi mean? Anoch Shali, my leveler. The thing that makes me balanced and solid, that is what we are about to encounter. That is a Kabbalah Satara. We need to be balanced people. We need to be in touch with reality. That's what it means to be the Torah. Not to be too much like this, like the Raman says, not to be too much like that, but need to be balanced, need to be solid people, in touch with reality. If a person comes to you and says, you're out of touch with reality, 
that's not just a comment about the way I'm thinking about something. It's a comment about how much am I in touch with Torah. Because if I'm really in touch with Torah, I should be in touch with reality. Rabbi Lamb is a beautiful drasha where he points out we make brachas in the morning, Birkshashachar, and each bracha is a separate bracha, right? Lahalacha, we say amen to every bracha, with, with one exception, with two exceptions, it's really one. Baruch Hashem, Elkeim Elchalam, Hamavir Sheinam Me'enai, Ushnumam Me'afapai. Wipes away, sleeps from my eyes, I'm awake. And then we dive right away. We do not say Amen, La'alacha. We dive right into a bracha. Shetagilein B'sar Secha, V'davkin M'sasecha. Says Rabbi Lam, what's the connection? So Rabbi Lam says, without the Torah, we are sleeping. There's no interruption because the only way to realize that you are awake, to realize reality, to be in touch with reality, is if you have that connection to Torah. And I think that's what we're involved in on a daily basis. Part of learning Gemara is, is not the content. It's getting into the modality of thinking like the Torah. Getting in touch with real thinking, not just other ideas that occur. I remember probably close to 20 years ago, the yeshiva used to have around Tishabov time a Yarchikala. And I don't, I think they used to even have in the bubble sometimes. And it was always here. It was always here, it was like split sessions or something like that. So, so Rav Leuchter came to speak one time, and the topic was something about Kirov going to the outside world, and I, don't, I forget it was a question and answer, or he was just responding to questions people asked him. And he said, people sometimes ask me, you, you, you got someone in the door, you're interested, what, what should you learn, learn them? Mesil Sharm, Der Hashem, Tanya. He said, Bav We could translate, Suvah Stafei. Suvah It's all the same. And he said, people look at me like I'm crazy. What, that's going to be inspiring? He said, yeah, you know what you're going to inspire someone to do? You're going to introduce them to their brain. You're going to get them in touch with reality. Here's reality. You've been thinking about things in one way for your, for your whole life. Let's think about things clearly. Let's think about things differently. Let's think about things in a, in a precise manner. It's totally, totally different. I think this is so critical. We live in a world of fake news. We live in a world of reality TV stars, which I, I, don't, I, I don't understand the theory of that. <laughs> reality TV, but they're, they're in multiple realities. It's alumnus I haven't, I haven't gotten to yet. Um, it's so fake. It's so staged. My wife once showed me a picture of a Torah observant woman who is what they call an influencer. That is her job, to influence people. Fascinating. Yeah. If only Rebaim could get that job. Um, so... So she, she took a picture of her home, and she said, "Regular Tuesday after re- regular Tuesday night dinner. Regular Tuesday night dinner was spotless, tablecloth immaculate, shiny from the cleaner, three course meal, beautiful, everything's perfect, picturesque, sun sun setting." So my wife showed me this. I said, Look, "This is a joke. Oh, I don't understand." My, what does this woman do all day? That. That's all she does all day. How can you compare? My wife's running an organization. She's got my five, you know, inspiring children. Some, some of us are aware, and she's got me to deal with also. And you know, it's so unrealistic. But people see it and say, "Oh, that's what I'm going for." It's it's so antithetical to her values. 
Torah means being in touch with reality. Being, so this is something that we need to strive for. And I think that's what we're engaged in on a daily basis when we're learning. I think just to add, perhaps this is there's a special Indian of learning Torah on Shabbos. Maybe there's a piece of avoda. I think they quote in the name of the Ben Yishchai. If you learn Torah on Shabbos, it's like a thousand times learning during the week. Perhaps we could suggest, because Torah is that, that reality. It's breaking free from that gullus, from those those, that, those bonds. But Shabbos is a nachal mitzarim. Shabbos is built into the system already, that it's so expansive. You're able to, to <clears throat> move, move forward. You're able to move beyond um, that which is constricting you during the week. So maybe just as a piece of avoda, I mean, let's try and learn a little more on Shabbos. A little more focus on Shabbos and learning because we're really trying to get in touch with reality. So I think that if we do this, if we think about Torah as a gateway to reality, so then we be then we're realistic with ourselves. We're able to become a little more realistic with ourselves. What are my what are expectations? What should I have expectations for myself? Every person's going to be different. We're obviously not going to talk about you know general expectations of of a, of a, of a whole. It's obviously something to be discussed individually. Very happy to discuss with anyone. But we, we have to be realistic with ourselves, with ourselves, not with, with no one else. And if we do that, if we really get in touch with reality, well, let's follow the paradigm of Mitzrayim. We get in touch with reality, and then we have a gula. We should get in touch with reality, connect to the Torah, connect to the, the, the logic of the Torah, the thinking of the Torah, and then in Yotashem we'll be Zohar to Agula as well.